it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville as we wrap up day number four of the 2023 Football kickoff media day style, and we want to thank the supplies. We want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by 2023 Nappy Award winning Air of Excellence, Chavis Furniture, New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm. I'm Corey Labounty along with my producer, Michael Brauner. Coming to you live from Radio Row, and it's been an exciting week as today we concluded the coaches and the players taking the podium. Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Tennessee all up today. And I tell you, if you want to correspond with us in the app, we love hearing from you in the app. You can download that free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free download Sound of Mobile app. Of course, once you do that, you go ahead and you choose WNSP. You can chime in on the app. Of course, give us a call. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here on the final drive. And Michael Broner, you know, you knew with Coach Hypo coming today and Lane Kiffin today, especially those two coaches, one formerly coaching at Tennessee, hmm. one currently the head coach at Ole Miss, Frank, excuse me, Coach Shane oh. Beamer being there. Frank Beamer, of course, being his dad, uh, you, you have an interesting dynamic of coaches. Some are more energetic than others, and the fireworks started pretty early for you as you had an opportunity to kind of ask Lane Kiffin about he and Nick Saban. Yeah, I said it yesterday. I think they were doing it strategically. You know, putting Lane Kiffin on the last day, giving people a reason to stick around. You know, the uh, yeah, Steve Spurrier is probably the media goat, but the media goat of this era is Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin never, never tends to mince words with, uh, with the media. And, and it, uh, there were some fireworks today. I didn't really mean to, but I guess I kind of triggered a, uh, a little war of words between Lane Kiffin and, and Paul Feinbaum, didn't I? Well, it, it's always fun when you have. Paul Feinbaum in the other room listening and knowing that Lane Kiffin's going to have the opportunity to talk to him. But you have a lot of people that call Lane Kiffin a hypocrite. Paul Feinbaum and Lane Kiffin had that relationship even when he was at USC and was fired on the tarmac. I think that Paul Feinbaum has always had a lot of fun poking at Lane Kiffin. And you definitely, by asking about the comparison and the love, that is shown by Lane Kiffin openly to Nick Saban. 
you know, it's interesting well, to hear all, your all comments. All I wanted to do was know about Lane Kiffin's relationship with Nick Saban, and Lane Kiffin took the opportunity to eviscerate Paul Feinbaum over it, and Paul Feinbaum well, took notice and said he called Lane Kiffin a hypocrite. Nothing new there, because yeah. that's nothing new, because you go back to where the rat poison came in. You know, Paul Feinbaum, anytime he goes to Ole Miss and is at the Grove on that campus, he loves to to have Lane Kiffin on and to bring up the fact that, hey, look, Paul, if you would not have said this, then Nick Saban wouldn't be so pissed off. Um, so so there's always value given <laughs> by both of them. And, and Lane definitely listens to the comments that are going on. But when you did have that opportunity to ask the question, we'll go ahead and play that audio now. You obviously have a pretty documented relationship with Nick Saban. I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit and just talk about how much he's met in your coaching career. Well, I'm extremely grateful to Coach Saban and our time together, and most importantly, him giving me an opportunity to, to learn from him. And, um, I mean, he's the best to ever do it. I've said it before. I really do believe he is the best coach to ever do it because – you guys know when you're I kind of I take in all the information and look at it instead of just like okay a record he's done it in a time of scholarship limitations where some of those older coaches didn't have them and they could I mean what, what if Nick Saban didn't have an 85 rule what would his roster look like if he had 150 scholarships to give and also he's done what I don't think anybody did over time of do it continually with so much staff turnover you know so many so many people are hired off of his staff. Other places are to be head coaches. And, you know, it's kind of like, man, all these first-round picks, and he loses these coordinators. Like, you know, that's why we have fine moms, so he can motivate him every other year and say, oh, his dynasty's over, and, and you know, this is the end of Saban. And then we're like, hey, thanks a lot for pissing him off. <laughs> um, and Paul's always wrong on this subject, so. Um, and he just did it again the other day, you know. If he doesn't make the playoffs, you know, you know, he's not any good as a coach. So thanks, thanks, Paul. Lane Kiffin chiming in on Paul Feinbaum and Nick Saban. It's almost like that symbiotic triangle that that is between the three. And regardless of what you want to say, I know that Lane Kiffin does thank Nick Saban for helping resurrect his career and giving him an opportunity. Sure. Now, I will say the difference. When you listen to Kirby Smart speak about his former boss, Nick Saban, versus the fact that you listen to Lane Kiffin speak about him, Kirby has nothing but great things to say about Coach Saban. And, and the same thing with Kiffin, but there's a way to where it is different. Kirby though, isn't it? protects and elevates his program yeah. to where you listen to what Lane Kiffin says, and he's like, okay, yes, this man is the GOAT. Kiffin gushes to be about the GOAT, him and, and, and rightfully so, because he did resurrect his career. Well, so. you know why that is, don't you? Why, why do you think that is? Well, Lane Kiffin wants to be the next head coach at Alabama. Not going to happen. 
What? You, okay, who is then? Hey, whoever it is, they're not going to be able to feel the shoe, so it's well, not going to be well, like that, that's, oh, that's an entirely different discussion. It's I, not going to be I, like I, I, I'm not saying that Lane Kiffin is going to come in and have the same success that Nick Saban had. Didn't that, say success. It's not going to be Lane right, Kiffin. Who's it going to be? Give me a name. It's not going to be Lane Kiffin. I, who's it going to be? It's not going to be Lane Throw Kiffin. out a name. I, I don't have to throw out a name other than it's not going to be Lane Kiffin. Mm, I'm ta- If you'd say the field versus Lane Kiffin, I think it's going to be Lane Kiffin. I want Auburn to. didn't want Lane Kiffin. If you think Auburn didn't want Lane Kiffin, you are did, kidding yourself. Did the yourself. deal get done? Lane Kiffin didn't want Auburn. Oh, but he, he dated him. Le- yeah, he did, well, used it to get more money from Ole Miss, didn't he? It, it, Auburn it, did, if that Lane was Kiffin strategy, did, it did work. Lane Kiffin didn't want Auburn. Make no mistake. It is not Auburn. Didn't, Auburn wanted Lane Kiffin. So, so, so you think. If Lane Kiffin wanted that job at Auburn, Lane Kiffin would be the head coach at Auburn right now. So he just used it as leverage. He would rather be at Ole Miss than to be. I think if you asked any Auburn fan that, I think they'd agree. I, I think 100. I mean, Auburn fans thought Lane Kiffin was going to be the next head coach at Auburn, and, and you know, I, I think at this point, Auburn's probably glad how it worked out. There's a lot of excitement around Hugh Freeze, but no, make no mistake, Auburn. Auburn was all in on Lane Kiffin to be their next head coach. It didn't work out that way. It is what it is. He's still a head coach at Ole Miss, and I think Lane Kiffin. Guess what? I think he didn't take that job at Auburn because he wants to be the next head coach at Alabama. Wanting to be and having an opportunity to be offered are two totally different things. Two different things. You know, I want to be a millionaire. But, but again, me that's, t- that's, you and me that's, both. Me, that's me wanting that, okay? Now, at the same time, of course, Lane Kiffin wants to be the head coach at Alabama. Now, will he say that openly? Of course not, because he has a job to accomplish it. I wanted, I wanted to ask him that. But, but here's <laughs> the question. Alabama, what has Ole Miss done? For Alabama to go out and say Lane Kiffins is our next head coach. Yeah, see that that's the that's a much more fair question there because you know Lane Kiffin has not accomplished a ton. Keep in mind though, Ole Miss is a program that has not won the SEC. They haven't played in Atlanta ever. Uh, they've never won. They, they haven't won the SEC West in like 60 years. They haven't played an SEC championship game ever. Uh, so it's not like and, and, you know we had a lot of debate at the time when it was is Lane Kiffin going to go to Auburn? Like what's an what's a better job, Ole Miss or Auburn? And the fact is, it is easier to win. Auburn than it is Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is a is a there's a ceiling there of what you can do. Has Lane Kiffin reached that? I don't think so. I don't think yet. I mean, we saw the success that Hugh Freeze there. He beat Alabama two years in a row. Uh, so I think Lane Kiffin still has work to do. But in terms of uh, in terms of an innovative offensive mind, a great recruiter, I I I would love for Lane Kiffin to be the next head coach at Alabama. Here's what you have. Again, I'm going to ask you the same question. You said who's the next coach at Alabama? It's not going to be Lane Kiffin because what has he done to have success at Ole Miss? What step up is that for Alabama? Okay, so, so uh, you have, but you haven't given no, me no, another name because I haven't even looked beyond Nick Saban. I'm happy with <laughs> what we got with Coach Saban. Again, I don't want to look beyond. Believe that. me, I'm not pushing Nick Saban out the door. If Nick Saban wants to hang around for ten more years, please. But at the same time, to even say, yeah, Lane Kiffin to Alabama, why? Why? Why, why would he? Well, we're on the radio. It's fun to talk about. but <laughs> Yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, true enough, it is great content matter without question. But at the same time, you just you, you, you don't say, all right, well, Alabama's next head coach following the GOAT. I mean, Kirby Smart, I think, is that Georgia loves Georgia. You know, he's a Georgia guy. So, again, Mama, you know, has already called home to Kirby Smart, and he's found a place where he can spend as long as he can handle it there. I just, there, to me, Kirby Smart, perfect fit at Georgia. No need to go anywhere outside of the country. It just depends on, you know, you have to have consistency across college football. 
and looking for consistency is something that Alabama was able to find in Nick Saban and being able to sustain that dynasty. So I think that, you know, also listening to, to Cedric Johnson talk this morning with us, I, I thought that he had some great points to make in regards to how laid back Coach Kiffin is versus what you see on TV versus what you see through his social media as well. Cedric Johnson, the Davidson High School graduate, two-time selected to represent Ole Miss here at SEC Media Days. Cedric is clean as a whistle up here. Cedric, I mean, talk about being able to represent Ole Miss for the second year in a row. Um, it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, I'm glad that Coach looks at me as a person to be able to represent Ole Miss like that. And um, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be in this position. So I'm happy to be here. Talk about your suit, your selection there. It, it matches Ole Miss colors. Is it tailored? Absolutely. Uh, wish it was custom, but it's definitely tailored. Um, it's a little tight, but it's it's going to get me by. I really like it. We switched it up a little bit. No tie, but I'm loving it. What are your expectations for yourself and the team this season? Um, I feel like we're going to have a great year this year. I feel like there's nobody that can hold us back but ourselves. Um, for myself personally, just I don't want to set any ceiling or whatever, but I feel like it's going to be a great year for me. How have you grown since you first came to Ole Miss and now you're you're kind of an elder statesman on the team? Talk about your personal growth. Um, physically, uh, I've grown a lot, you know, got a bigger, stronger, faster. Um, mentally, I feel like developing as a leader, developing my mind, um, discipline, just mindset overall. Just the leadership aspect is the biggest one, though, being happy. Coming as a freshman, I didn't really, I didn't even really talk much then my freshman year. But then over the years, just having to get comfortable within myself, within my voice, within the team, and finding a way to be a leader and just be a, a big leader at this point. Your brother is having an opportunity to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Talk about how happy you are and how often you communicate with him and what advice he gives you. Uh, I'm extremely happy for him. Uh, we usually talk every day, like group FaceTime with the fam. So I'm always catching up on what he's doing. He just, I, I don't, I don't even know the word. Honestly, it's just an inspiration to me because um, I'm trying to get to the same level he's at. Coach Lane Kiffin, what does he mean to you, and, and what's the most interesting or funniest thing you've seen Coach do or say? Most interesting thing. Well, first, what he means to me. He means a lot to me, honestly. We have a we have a pretty strong relationship built off trust. So he, he trusts I get stuff done, and I trust in him to know what to do, game day to get get that stuff done. He trusted me to be a leader. Um, as for the most interesting thing. Or what does he do to make you laugh? Is he a jokester? On, yeah, like... Yes, like on Twitter, 24/7. Looking at his Twitter, you'll you'll definitely get a laugh 24/7. But like in person, he does He's not even. He's pretty quiet guy. He's pretty chill dude. So that kind of that kind of throws me off sometimes. Like you don't even. My partner asked Nick Saban yesterday about his playlist. Have you heard or seen Coach Kiffin's playlist at all? During practice, we usually get a lot of it. I'm pretty sure it's more diverse, but at practice, we get a lot of Miley Cyrus. So I, I'm okay. pretty sure he's heavy into that one. Absolutely love it. Cedric Johnson. Cedric Johnson, again, defensive end for the Ole Miss Rebels. Two-time representative here at SEC Media Days. Came with the plenty of drip looking super-duper clean as far as 
his apparel to what he had on today. And, you know, it's just a great opportunity, not only for himself, but to represent Davidson High School along with Mobile and his family. Of course, his brother Cephas having an opportunity to play in the National Football League with the Minnesota Vikings. So always great to see our local guys coming in. And when we come back here on the other side of the final drive, David Cutcliffe was on our show a couple weeks ago, but we took a different route and asked him a few different questions in pertaining to his role in the SEC and what he's seen. And Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC hey, Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Eagle Dick Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive, coming to you live here from the Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville, day number four, SEC Media Days coming to a conclusion. I want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Nappy Award-winning Eagle Dent Repair, McConnell Buick GMC, Ken Morgan, All-State Agent, and Ward International Trucks. And of course, before the break, we were talking about David Cutcliffe and his role within the SEC office. He's been getting his steps in today for sure, but David Cutcliffe chimed in on a numerous amount of subjects here at our Radio Row station here on WNSP 105.5. Live at 2023 SEC Media Days, joined by SEC Special Assistant David Cutcliffe. Of course, Coach Cutcliffe, he cut his teeth as a very great offensive coordinator at Tennessee and then went on to be the head coach at Ole Miss along with Duke. And Coach Cutcliffe joins us this afternoon. Coach, how's everything going this busy week for you in the SEC office? Busy week, to say the least. Um... I tell you, the folks here in Nashville have done a great job. People here at the Grand Hyatt. It's been, been awesome to see the media attention the players and the coaches get and deserve. But kudos to you all. The effort it takes. I wish people could see the kind of effort you guys have to put in to get this done. Coach, I know you see a lot of your former players. You see a lot of your former coaches that are here. You have been on that podium as well, facing the media. What is it like for a coach? I know what it's like as a first-year media member to attend SEC Media Days, but as a head coach to face the media, not really knowing what question is going to be asked or what kind of controversy may be following your program or when you may stick your foot in your mouth accidentally talking about another program? That's a great question and an interesting question. Um, I'll take Zach Arnett, for example, his first time for Mississippi State. Been in the league, so he has some understanding, but I usually talk to the coaches a few minutes before they go out on the main media stage, but he was so entrenched in his notes. I kind of grinned and I said, I'm not going to interrupt the man. Um, you know, I tried to talk to those guys on the phone with a tip where I've learned all those mistakes you just mentioned. Uh, you know, th there's no reason to talk about anything about anybody else's program ever. 
Uh, there's every reason to talk about your players, your staff. You can talk about the challenges of your schedule, but you can avoid all of that. And I just, I'm, I'm not telling them anything they don't know, but I can be a good reminder. Coach, do you remember your first SEC media days and what was the biggest, whether it was at SEC media days or not, what was the biggest media gaffe you had in your entire career? The, big, the biggest slip up, the biggest thing you wish you could take back from the podium? Well, there were so many, that's hard to say <laughs> which one. What I do remember, um, first media day was, was down in Birmingham, flew in. Um, walking into that environment with the number of autograph seekers, uh, somebody grabbing you, Coach, we got to go here, we've got to do. I don't really know how many hours went past before I took a breath, you know. Um, it's overwhelming. But I think all of us um, have had moments when, when I, I, I tell you, Champ Bailey was one of the best players I coached against. And I thought I was being cute. And I referred to him as Chump instead of Champ. And how stupid is that? He was anything but a Chump. I took a lot of grief from a lot of Georgia people, rightfully so. I regretted ever having said that. But when you, and I tell coaches this, forget trying to be cute and in the era of social media there's a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to be cute not just coaches and it doesn't work you know cute can particularly when it turns to hurtful and we see that with young people it's one of the fears i have with my grandchildren is what is it going to be like to be a middle school student when it happens to, to them uh, so I'm not trying to get all serious, and but but that's the truth. Uh, we got to learn. You, you tell the truth, say what you mean, and mean what you say. But the spoken word, guess what? It's like the spent arrow. I think they say it does not come by. Coach, Lord willing, and the creek doesn't rise. We'll be in Dallas, Texas this time next year. The addition of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Two great additions to football powerhouses but more importantly i mean just across the board athletically it enhances the sec brand because oklahoma and texas are very successful in multiple sports outside of football alone but next year it's going to be bigger and better did you think it could get any bigger and better than having over 1500 credential media members no I, and i'm going to be blown away and think about the footprint you got in Texas, both Texas A&M and the University of Texas, and in Oklahoma, which has a footprint in Texas, always had in recruiting. Um, wow. I'm, I think we're all going to be kind of have to step back and take a look at what it's going to be like. And, I, you know, who knows where it's headed, but in 92 when we expanded, I thought, well, this is crazy. You know, I was a part of going to divisions and like this, is this going to survive? Can we do this? Um, and the answer is we've been better since then than we ever have been. So rather than being negative about it at all, let's all realize this is our, is it going to be hard? Yes, hard's the best word anybody can tell you. When something's going to be hard, you got a shot at being great. 
So let's take SEC through hard times to get it to the very best it's ever been. David Cutcliffe, SEC Special Assistant, joining us here on the final drive. Coach, I can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time, your knowledge, and your wisdom. And it's always a pleasure. I know we had you on a couple of weeks ago, but seeing you face-to-face -face and being able to talk with you across the table is always a very special time and moment. And thank you for all that you do, all that you've done, and all that you will continue to do forward. Well, thank you. I appreciate, Corey, you guys, what you do for Mobile, L.A., uh, in general, Lower Alabama, and all my friends that I have such deep respect for and love. Shout out to David Morris, of course, and his family always. But God bless you all. Thank you. Coach David Cutcliffe joining us live here at SEC Media Days 2023. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, The Cart Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm will return right after this. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you live here from Radio Row, Grand Heights in downtown Nashville. And want to thank Coach Cutcliffe for stopping by this week and having an opportunity to, to chop it up with him. And, of course, this is Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Nappy Award-winning Air of Excellence and Chavis Furniture also. So thank you to those presenting sponsors and also for you tuning in today. Of course, you can always download the Sound of Mobile app. It's a free downloadable app to where you can download it to any Apple or Android device that you have and interact with us here on the app as well as give us a call at 251-694-1055. And, of course, along with Lane Kiffin taking the podium today and having a lot to say about the NIL and the transfer portal, we also had an opportunity to hear from Josh Heupel, the head football coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, and we'll hear what he has to say. Your offense, of course, is one of the most electric in the SEC. It's it's very difficult to game plan for. How much of that, in your opinion, is, is game plan and scheme versus the actual players on the field? How much of our success is dictated on the... The scheme of your offense versus, you know, personnel. Well, I tell you this. If, uh, if you don't have players, you don't have dynamic players, and that can be up front, offensive line, quarterback, your skill guys, doesn't matter what you draw up. So at the end of the day, it comes down to the dudes. And you got to put them in a position to be the best versions of themselves and give them an opportunity to win. But uh, you better have players. T. Martin, the last national championship <coughs> quarterback for Tennessee, yeah. had to learn and grow behind Peyton Manning. Same thing with yourself, learning and growing Tennessee from year number one to year number three now. Talk about your own growth on the podium as well and just as a coach within your third year entering? Yeah, I think as, as a head coach, you become more efficient and effective and you know, your yearly calendar 
to how you handle the situations that inevitably come up. Um, you know, all of those situations, you know, help you grow and you learn better ways to handle it. But I think as much as anything, you become a, a better, more effective uh, communicator. That's with your staff. It's with your players, uh, creating a, uh, a true culture of uh, connection. And, and uh, that's certainly something that we continue to build at Tennessee. The culture that's being built at Tennessee can they go ahead and find a way to, to beat Alabama in back-to-back -back years. I think that that's the question that a lot of Tennessee volunteer fans would like the answer to, and they would love an opportunity to, to smoke on that cigar for another decade the way that Alabama fans have been able to do on the third Saturday in October. But with the sanctions being put behind Tennessee, I mean, now you know you have – coaches across the country that are going to use the the penalties that were coming up on Tennessee against them. You already have the loss of scholarships, of course, behind the loss of scholarships. You also have a close to a $9 million fine that you have to pay, but knowing that, all right, I'm going to have loss of scholarships and I'm going to have to pay X amount of dollars, that's something that now you don't have to worry about. I mean, you look at Josh Heupel just as of yesterday, he got another five-star recruit. So it's not hurting him on the recruiting trail. He's just trying to build off of a successful year number two for the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, it was interesting. It was one of the first things that Lane Kiffin was asked about today. And he said, well, that didn't take long. And, uh, you know, he didn't really want to get into it, into it. But he said something along the lines of, you know, I heard that Josh was ecstatic when announced that what the punishment were. So the punishment in the grand scheme for Tennessee is pretty unsevere. Uh, I think that's kind of the general consensus. And I think Lane is probably pretty upset about that, given that given what he had to go through at USC. And uh, so he pretty much said, yeah, good for them. I'm, I'm glad for them uh you know I, you could tell that he was annoyed and angry about it but he wasn't going to say that uh you can kind of read read between the lines on that one for yourself but yeah i mean uh that is what it is we'll see we'll see if joe milton and uh can continue the success that Hendon hooker had well also joe milton the third is one of those quarterbacks to where i don't care who you ask they say he probably has the strongest arm in the country. I mean, we saw it at the Manning Passing Academy. He threw the football 80 yards, pretty much standing still. And he kind of made mention that he feels that, look, he. when I asked him the question, he said, look, I, I don't know how far I can throw it, but I know that it's just – he says, I just kind of let it go. And, and as a quarterback, once you feel like someone's too far, then they're going to be too far from you. I just let it go. And that's part of that gunslinger mentality that he can bring to the Tennessee Volunteers. So now if you need a Hail Mary, you know who you need in the game. But as far as accuracy with being able to throw it 80 to 90 yards from a collegiate quarterback under pressure, that's what – is going to be the biggest difference. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. it. That's obviously the big question. We know Joe Milton has a big arm. Uh, we know he can throw the ball, but can he throw it accurately? I mean, Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker did a really good job throwing the deep ball, but and I don't think Hendon Hooker has has a, a huge arm by any means. But he was very effective with with that arm. I think uh, he was more athletic than people gave him credit for too. He's very 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 quick. I think Milton is Milton is the same way, but even uh, even kind of bigger and stronger as well. So we'll see if Heupel uses that element. He kind of said today.
you know, everyone, anyone who knows and studies our offense knows that we can't do anything if we can't run the ball. So I don't doubt that uh, that Milton's ability to run the ball will be a factor there. We also got the opportunity to talk to uh, Spencer Rattler, didn't we? Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, along with Shane Beamer. But Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for the Gamecocks, a year under his belt now, being watched on the Senior Bowl watch list. Spencer Rattler had some comments about his first year in South Carolina. Spencer Rattler joining us here, starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Spencer, talk a little bit about your first year as starting quarterback for the Gamecocks, what you learned and what you think will help you moving into next season. Mm -hmm. I'd say just being here, uh, learning how the conference is. Uh, week by week, you got the best teams you're playing each week. Uh, so it's great competition. Uh, obviously, improves you as a player. Um, so I'm just looking forward to stacking days and better performances and all that this second year uh, as a group and everything yeah you've obviously had quite the career arc starting at Oklahoma then ending up at South Carolina just talk to us a little bit about your story um, yeah I mean you guys all pretty much know you know uh, came out of high school went to Oklahoma you know had a lot of success there two Big 12 championships obviously winning one in 2020 when I was starting and being the MVP of the Big 12 championship game um, you know 2021 you know, 6-0, and and things kind of went a separate way and obviously brought me here to South Carolina. And uh, I feel like God had, had me here for a reason. And, you know, obviously had a good first year, uh, accomplished a lot as a group, uh, as a team, and uh, obviously trying to stack on that the second year. It can be a negative world out there with things people say sometimes, man. What do you do to kind of tune out any kind of negativity? Um, you know, you just try to... You just try to not look at it, try to not see it. You know, obviously it's all on social media and everything, but just knowing who you are, knowing who the people are that support you are the only people that matter. Um, and, you know, keep a tight, tight circle and just believe in yourself. That's it. Spencer Rattler was speaking with starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks 2023 SEC Media Days. Sandstorm, when it hits, brother, what is it like to get into that environment? And what does it feel like when you do hear that? It's different. I mean, it just gives you the chills. Um, so much, not anxiety, but just excitement to get out there. I mean, I think it's the best entrance in college football by far. So, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's fun, man. Your expectations for this year, personally, from a personal goal standpoint and from a team standpoint, you have a coach who really will kick doors down to bring attention to the program and has done a phenomenal job. Talk about your relationship with Coach Beamer and your personal and team goals. Uh, Coach Beamer, obviously known him for a few years now. He was with me at Oklahoma for a few years. Um, you know, he was a big reason on why I came here. You know, great coach, great person. Uh, has this, um, you know, university and our team headed in the right direction. Uh, team goals this year, just be as consistent as we can each week and focus on ourselves each week and, you know, have nameless and faceless opponents. Uh, prepare the same. Uh, personal, personal goals, um, th that'll come with team success, not just for me, but everybody. You guys had one of the craziest two-week runs of the entire season last year, taking down Tennessee and then Clemson in back-to-back -back weeks. Just tell me a little bit about that. You know, what was that like being the starting quarterback for a team with, the, with two huge wins in back-to-back -back weeks like that? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, finishing the season like that, I feel like November on, you know, we, we felt unstoppable November on. And, you know, if we can just feel like that this whole next year, stay, stay consistent, like I said, and just stack on these weeks, we'll be, we'll be all right. Hopefully to see you in Mobile, Alabama, home of the Senior Bowl. I know Jim Nagy speaks very highly of you. He's on the watch list. What would it mean for you to play in the Senior Bowl? That would be awesome, you know, but obviously the, the goal right now to get, uh, is to win games and everything else will take care of itself. Spencer, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to following you this season. Again, now his head coach, Shane Beamer. A Beamer ball being played in South Carolina 
talked with him as well. When you look at the other institutions or other sports on your campus, such as Dawn Staley with women's basketball and yourself, how do you all go about helping one another recruit? And also the second part of the question is, when you look at the family dynamic of you and your father, what is the best part or lesson learned from your dad from a win or a loss? Whew, two good questions, comments. Um, one, it's a great, uh, great community that we have at Carolina of legendary coaches. You know, starting with my boss, my athletic director, Ray Tanner, who won two national championships as a baseball coach. So I got a boss that I can walk into his office and he's won national championships and I can ask him questions because he's been in my chair as a, as a head coach. Then you got Dawn and what she's done uh, on and on and on. I mean, so many fantastic coaches at our, at our place. And we all uh, uh, do not say no if we can. Uh, I've had other sports, whether it be Dawn or softball or whoever it might be that have asked me basketball that have asked me to meet with recruits when they've had them on campus and i've done that the day of games the day before games dawn has never told us no you know people she is certainly very impactful so she came we had a recruiting breakfast at my house in june and she came to breakfast and i mean the line of like parents and recruits to take a picture with her i didn't think we were ever going to get them out of my house uh because they were so excited to see her so she's awesome and all of our coaches are and it's a great community that we have at carolina to help each other out because the, if we're all successful it, it helps us all without a doubt. And I'm a fan of all Gamecock sports and, and love supporting all of our teams. And then as far as best lesson from my dad, um, uh, I would say two really stand out to me. One is just don't get, he used to say it all the time, like don't get too high and get too low. There's a lot of extremes in this profession and a great win, a bad loss. We had both those plenty last season and just trying to stay the course and stay steady and not be on an emotional roller coaster. I saw that firsthand from him and try and do that now as a head coach. And then also just realizing the, I've said it before, what a thin line it is between winning and losing. Like the margin of error is so thin. And people remember my dad at Virginia Tech and the consecutive bowl games and playing them for the national championship. But it took him to his uh, seventh season to get to a bowl game. Like his first six years at Virginia Tech, they didn't go to a bowl. But in 1992, they won two games. But they lost six games that year that they either led or were tied going into the fourth quarter and they just couldn't finish so there was a small margin for error next year basically the same team came back they won i think nine beat indiana in the independence bowl and went to 20 some consecutive bowl games after that so just realizing that uh winning is hard so it's helped me now in this role as a football coach like i'm always going to appreciate winning and there may be bad performances where we win the football game i'm going to celebrate that with for sure because winning is hard especially in this league Coach Shane Beamer, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, joining us at the podium today in 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, and brought to you in part by the Cart Doctor and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We'll go ahead and wrap up our number one here of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Coming to you live from Radio Road, Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoffs, and you are listening to WNSP 
105.5 in Mobile. back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 coming to you live from Radio Road. The Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville site of the 2023 SEC Media Days and Josh Heupel Tennessee's head football coach said there is only one UT. Well in 2024 there's going to be two UTs in the Southeastern Conference. It just depends on which shade of orange you prefer. And I thought that that was a pretty interesting comment that was made by him. Said there's only one real UT, only one right shade of orange. <laughs> yeah. He, he gave a quick answer to that one. It, it, it was pretty funny. Someone someone asked him in the big room, like, so which one's the real UT? He's like, well, what, what do you want him to say? What do you expect? No, they can have it. <laughs> but, no, but no, it's even better because he's an Oklahoma guy. Yeah. So, so, of course, I mean, whether he was the head coach at Tennessee or not, he's still going to say they're, yeah. you know, not even acknowledge that So he that hates Texas regardless. UT. So, yeah, with them coming into the SEC in 2024, that's great and I know that you look at all the new coordinators that are being brought into this league I know Cedric Johnson was talking a little bit about Pete Golding being his new coordinator and that was that was something that's that's going to take a little bit of getting used to you need your spring practice in spring practices in your spring game to learn a little bit more about what new system what new schemes you're going to be seeing but what better player than Cedric Johnson for Pete Golding to go ahead and give the keys to his defense. Yeah, they've had some success out of the transfer portal as well. Uh, Kiffin's big utilizer of the portal, especially on the, well, we saw what he did with the quarterback room, but especially on the defensive end as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that Ole Miss defense this year. Obviously, one of the more interesting storylines to study is how does Pete Golding translate to Ole Miss? He's certainly an upgrade from what they had. I mean, Alabama fans might not want to hear that, but Pete Golding is, you know, for all the gripes that we've had with him, he's not a bad defensive coordinator. I, I think it was just time for a change at Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I do believe he'll have success at Ole Miss. I think he brings a level of experience that they haven't seen. And, uh, you know, the, I think Lane Kiffin's excited to work with him. Yeah, that's all interesting dynamics without question. All the new coordinators within the Southeastern Conference. And here to start our number two on the other side of this break on the final drive, we'll hear from the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. Of course, Greg Sankey has done a tremendous job in growing the Southeastern Conference. And we'll get his thoughts on a multitude of subjects. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, The Cart Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We'll be right back to start our number two of the final drive coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville and Radio Row.
Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome back to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with my producer Michael Bronner coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville as we are concluding 2023 SEC Media Days and of course Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by McConnell Buick GMC, Ken Morgan, All-State Agent, Ward International Trucks, and LNS Air Conditioning. We want to thank all of those sponsors for making it possible for us to bring you wall-to-wall coverage here of the 2023 SEC Media Days. And, of course, when you tune in to WNSP, you can also correspond with us on the free downloadable Sound of Mobile app. Yeah, that's right, folks. It's a free downloadable app to any Apple or Android device that you may have. So go ahead and download that, and you can correspond with us on the app. Give us a call, 251-694-1055. We would love to hear from you as well. But also had a chance to catch up with Commissioner Greg Sankey earlier today. And, of course, Commissioner Sankey has taken the Southeastern Conference through COVID and also through conference expansion and continued to be a visionary in regards to the conference continuing to grow and be the best, not only in football, but across all athletic programs and caught up with Commissioner Greg Sankey earlier today. Here with the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey joining us. Commissioner Sankey, thank you for joining me on the final drive. How have things been for you so far this week? Uh, it stays busy. Uh, I go from, as you just saw, interview to interview, conversation to conversation, introduce coaches, visit with print media, electronic media, uh, our television partners. So uh, I'm still in good shape. I'm not sure that I could make a day five, though. My mentor, Lee Shervanian at WNSP 105.5, is a Syracuse graduate, and he always speaks so highly of you. But when you look at the growth of this conference here with the expansion of Oklahoma and Texas, I know this year you're dealing with just the final year of divisionless football. How exciting is it for you to see the transformation of the conference? I was privileged to have an opportunity back in 2002 to join the staff. Uh, I can remember thinking uh, in, in moments before I, I moved to Birmingham and was part of the SEC staff, I'd taken the job, like, well, I'm going to be a part of that. And uh, it was big then, and, and our job is to create opportunities, moments, events, uh, provide support so that we continue to grow the interest in the conference, which I think we've done. And uh, we've had two expansions in just a little over a decade. 
uh, all four of those universities have come to us and said we want to be part of something really special, and that's the Southeastern Conference. And we, we've accomplished great things this past year. I'm looking forward to this this final year as 14 members, and our future is incredibly bright uh, all across our university campuses, but as a, for the conference as a whole. Commissioner Greg Sankey joining us here on the final drive. Commissioner. I know in the past you used to love marathons, and being the commissioner, you can kind of look at it not as being a sprint, but a marathon, and I know that that's part of the growth of this conference. Back in 2009, I ran a marathon a month for a year, and I began in Mobile. The first marathon of that experience was in January of 2009 in Mobile, and a, a, just a, a really great memory. And you know, the marathon experience is one that's a, a, a mental and a physical challenge. Uh, the mental challenge is the ability to continue to push through things to deal with uh, maybe the unexpected. And in that Mobile Marathon, I had a pain in my foot, my right foot I'd never experienced. You know, you had to adjust, stop, retie my shoe. There's a metaphor in, in there for how one has to lead in a dynamic environment. Um, I miss those marathoning days. I just don't have time to train. I'm not sure. My, there's one more in my mind. I'm not sure the body's ready. Uh, but great memories, and, and each of them in their own way, great learning experience that informed uh, a bit of my work on a day-to-day -day basis. You mentioned changing in and how you had to deal with adversity with your own body. I, I know that COVID in 2020 was the ultimate changing experience for the world, and especially with sports, that was the biggest outlet that people were really looking to, and you were at the forefront of making sure there was a format in place, or you formulated not only to to have college football, but people really followed your lead in regards to that across the country. Well, the reality is the, the metaphor around a marathon is very applicable to the COVID experience. I think the one difference is in a marathon, you know, at 26.2 miles, there is a finish line. And in COVID, at times, it seemed there was going to be no finish line. Yet, whether running a marathon or, or trying to deal with that kind of crisis, you're looking at the next milestone. What's the next mile marker, literally? And can I get to the next moment? And what do I have to do to advance from here to there? And, and we spent spring, summer, and one, even once we started playing in the fall, it was moment by moment, uh, week by week, because it was a continual um, set of surprises. Uh, we had great commitment from our universities to, to work to play. Our student athletes in football were ones very vocal about wanting the opportunity. Uh, the work of our staff to figure out testing, communication, how we learn things, rescheduling. Uh, I would like to not ever go through that experience again, uh, but it's one that you, you, you learn a lot when you're walking through um, an endeavor in such an undefined reality. The type of success that this conference had this past calendar year in, in your big-time revenue-generating sports, I, I think it's really, to me, almost unprecedented. And you sitting at the forefront watching all these fantastic student-athletes and fantastic coaches, it just means more with a lot of exclamation points behind it when you look at the national championships, the pinnacle of an NCAA career. We won eight team national championships. And we finished second in what outdoor uh, women's track and field gymnastics. Um, we, we were close uh, on the women's golf side. Um, there's there's a breadth of support and a level of commitment to high achievement here that it's inherent in our all of our athletics departments and, and really is representative of our universities. And I, I've always wanted to figure out how we could, might get to double digits 
in national championships. We were close. When you actually look at the month of June, um, we had uh, the, the Florida men's track and field team win the outdoor national championship, LSU baseball, but then Texas won women's track and field and Oklahoma won softball. So our 2024-25 makeup um, actually won all four of the, the final set of national championships the NCAA sponsors. And, and that's the kind of excellent competition we'll see at a conference level every week and in our championships. And I think that will play into even more championship opportunities at the national level. The challenges that are presented to you as commissioner, what, what are some of the greatest challenges currently and moving forward for yourself? Uh, one that's top of mind is we're in an environment where states are enacting legislation that dictate how athletic departments will manage their programs. That's very different. We've had state laws guide and federal laws guide how we, we make decisions, whether it's in our daily life or in our, in our work. But with um, the state activity in name, image, and likeness, uh, we had a set of pretty healthy state laws. Uh, we learned after a period of time there's really no enforcement action. Now we have states that are pulling back from those laws, not only not enforcing their own laws, but then attempting to bar associations from uh, enforcing what would be reasonable policies. And so that's a challenge that's front of mind. That plays out in the, the, con the congressional conversation about the need for a national standard. We're engaged in dealing with litigation matters. Uh, that's been uh, a pretty common experience almost for the last 15 years in college sports. Uh, the onboarding of Oklahoma and Texas as we go to 16, the setting of schedules. We saw in mid-June the announcement of our football schedule for 2024. We need to consider our format for 25 and beyond, but we have 20 other sports that we have to work through. And we've done, most of those are, are already identified from a scheduling format standpoint. And um, th those uh, issues are in addition to the day job of simply administering the normal day-to-day -day competition that's present in the Southeastern Conference. What's the best part about your job? There's always challenges, there's always criticism, but the best part about your job that puts a smile on your face at times. This week is a reminder of what I've often said and answered that question, which is the people, and, and I have the opportunity to come to know people, um, our head coaches and student athletes, most, if not 99% of the country, sees those people on TVs or from afar in a, in a football stadium. And I have the opportunity to interact, to share my perspective with them, uh, to learn from them in conversation. Some of those are tough moments, uh, but we've been able to maintain really strong and healthy working relationships. And to see, see coaches and see young people here walking around at media days is a reminder that that actually is the best part of the job. The growth of the brand, the SEC Network continues to pump out great content and highlighting the coaches and the student athletes and the championships. Talk about your, your I guess, your, your happiness or your overall thoughts about the SEC Network being a flagship that many other conferences would love to duplicate. In many ways, it's become kind of the background effect, if you will, in people's lives since it's been adopted. You know, you can turn on SEC this morning, watch you know, reruns, wait for Paul Feinbaum, watch live events in the evening. It's been a, just a, a resource that fills people's lives. Uh, but you know, that, in many ways that's not enough. I think it's a tribute to the level of production 
um, that is, is presented, the way games are presented, uh, the broadcast crews. Uh, we just had a program last night featuring uh, the SEC 6 Commissioner Roy Kramer, just an incredibly well-produced uh, program. We have a story on Brandon Burlesworth, a former offensive lineman at Arkansas. I previewed that. Just another job of wonderful storytelling. The, the show, really just a unique food, culture, music show called True South that's visited um, all over our region. Uh, that's not something that happens on other college conference networks. And we want to continue that in a, in, a, in a space where we're challenged in the cable universe to keep households connected. Providing that kind of high-level programming, high-level content is at the forefront of our thinking. Talk about the challenges of being a grandfather or the happiness of being a grandfather. And, you know, coaches are always taking notes and, and sharing data. What, what kind of advice have you received so far about being a grandfather? Well, Nick Saban and I were talking. He said, you better get in shape. He'd just been with his nine-year-old granddaughter. And he's like, with his full speed uh, all the time. Hugh Freeze just became a grandfather. So uh, he and I don't think the challenges. I think the one challenge presented to me months ago was, What's my what's my grandparent name? Like I I I, I didn't know I had to pick, um, so that's been a pressure point, and I've resisted uh, participating in that. Uh, actually, as we record uh, tomorrow, we we have FaceTimed with our our daughter, her husband, and their new baby, but we'll have the chance to travel up and spend a, a day with them. So that'll be uh, part of the reward. I go with Paul Paul. I'm Paul Paul in my household, so you know that's not too old. I mean, it, you know, it's P A P A, not P A W P A W. Paul Paul. I mean, have you have you thought about Paul Paul at all? I have resisted any thought. So it, when I've been asked, my wife asked me right after we found out our daughter was pregnant, and I was busy wrapping my mind around that reality, uh, not needing to think about my personal label. So my wife asked me what would be my grandfather name, and I said, well. Greg has worked for 58 years, so why don't we go with Greg? Um, most people I've told that story to thought it was funny. My wife is not at all entertained. And many have told me that the child will choose. So we'll see what happens uh, over the next few years. But it's, it's, it's been fun to, to watch. She's now nine days old, just eyes opening, alertness. Um, uh, you know, you see growth immediately. Congratulations, Coach, not only for Commissioner Sankey joining us this afternoon on your growth of your conference, but watching the growth of your grandbaby as well. Thank you so much for taking time with me here on the final drive and have a wonderful season, calendar year, because I know it never stops and recharge your batteries and let's have play some football. I look forward to it. Thank you. Commissioner Sankey stopping by on radio row here today and getting his thoughts on a multitude of southeastern conference subjects and of course pat's industrial auto supplies 2023 sec media days presented by greer's markets and brought to you in part by the nappy award-winning air of excellence chavis furniture new century tires and the attorneys at hedge copeland law firm when we return We'll catch up with our good friend Jake Crane, of course, from Crane and Company. He always has great 411 knowledge of college football. So we'll catch up with Jake Crane next here on the final drive. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. 
Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, coming to you live from Radio Row here at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. And, of course, what we've been experiencing here this entire week that has absolutely flown by is SEC Media Days 2023. And, Brauner, when you start looking back on SEC Media Days, the first for us both, what are your biggest thoughts or the issues, if any, that you thought came across this week? Well, I think uh, I think the lack of issues is, is a story in itself. It all went pretty smoothly. There was uh, nothing to really complain about in terms of storylines. I think uh, I think the biggest takeaway is if there's been a, a national kind of doubting in Alabama, it certainly has has carried over to Nashville here. I think if you it, it, and I actually I didn't see what the poll results were. I don't know if they've come out yet, uh, but. Yeah, they haven't come out yet, but uh, we'll see what it is. I, I'm going to be surprised if the consensus isn't LSU to win the West. I mean, I think if you asked most people around here, I think I think that's what the thought is. And think what you want about that. I, I'll tell you right now, I voted Alabama. Just no surprise there. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest storylines going into the week, and it, it really did end up being true with what the thoughts were from the media on that, with what the thoughts were from the coaches and players. I mean, not that the coaches are in the prediction game, but it just it, it does feel different this year, doesn't it? It really does, but from a media standpoint, of course, most media members without question are going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs representing the SEC East. It's just a matter of the SEC West. Do you like Alabama? Do you like LSU to go ahead and get back-to-back? And I know that game between Alabama and LSU, it really does mean more when it comes down to whether that the winner of that game is going to have the lead as far as how they're going to finish not only in the SEC race, but in the national championship race. And if you lose that game, if that's your first loss by either one of those teams, can you go ahead and advance? Now, as far as any fireworks that occurred, I don't think anyone really said anything that was all too controversial that Lane Kiffin spoke on NIL, of course. He spoke on the transfer portal, but that's been that's not a new topic. That's something that's continued to be talked about. I think the only thing that Lane Kiffin really added to that was the fact that he felt that this is the NFL. The SEC is the NFL, and with the number of NFL draft picks that are selected on a yearly basis, basis you can't argue with him in regards to that because it just means more and with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas moving forward you're going to see that number even increase even more in 2024 yeah the old adage rings true right you know it just means more it sounds cheesy to say but it really is true uh and you saw it this week but yeah, i mean it's shown every year in the amount of draft picks and now texas and oklahoma being added that amount of that draft pick number is just going to continue to get more and more skewed uh it's it's gonna start to get unfair really but yeah it's like uh you know these nfl coaches look at these college coach schedules and say how do you do that well you know because <laughs> recruiting is is a is an entirely it's a job in itself so you know not only do you have to watch over your own program but you're trying to bring new players into the program so man i don't know how these coaches do it uh it, it really do being the head coach of a major college football program it's it's got to be the most stressful time consuming job you could possibly imagine having now i will ask you this as we had an opportunity to check out all the drip and all the swag of 
all of the players and all the coaches here this week. Oh, you know who I'm going to answer on this. Who, who do you think was the cleanest oh, come on. of them all? It was Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid McKinstry. Come on, that jacket? It, it was. He got sweet. it out of Nate Oates' closet. Well, well not, only, not only as far as Kool-Aid yeah, that, the Kool-Aid chain? Man, the Kool-Aid ice. I mean, you know you put ice in Kool-Aid when you pull it out. <laughs> you know, ice in a glass, Kool-Aid. Used to be that old saying growing up, but the ice around Kool-Aid's neck and to have that little drip of red in it to signify the big Kool-Aid. And you asked him what was his favorite type of Kool-Aid, and it wasn't cherry I think he, necessarily. I, I think it was uh, pink lemonade. Yeah, pink lemonade and black cherry. Yeah, he, so he, he said both of them. I, the fact that he did have that iced-out chain, and he was so tailor-fitted, I just love the drip when you look at the players and the coaches. Now, from a coach-wise, a, a coach standpoint, mm, I'm probably gonna go with Kiffin. I, I liked his suit today. He went no tie. No tie. To, he went no tie to. With the light blue suit, he had on, uh, you know, brown loafers. I think he was going no socks too. He walked. <laughs> he, he, he walked. He walked in looking like he didn't get enough sleep last night. You know, you you hit him with a hey coach as he was as he was walking into the uh, the room. There wasn't much acknowledgement back on his end. He, just a little nod. He, I don't know if he had a long night last night or if he didn't get enough sleep or if that's kind of just how he he he, he Kiffin's funny because uh, you know he he's the funniest guy at the podium. He, he he truly is hilarious and and he's a joy. You know he was he was fantastic at the podium. One of the media members in the little room asked him something along the lines of, "Coach, you know a lot of people say I look like you. Uh, you know there's a picture of you from from uh, when you were a college football player and my mom thinks it's actually me." And, and coach said, uh, "Well, what's your mom's name?" <laughs> and the the entire room erupted with laughter. He's got this this real dry sense of humor that uh, that that can light up a room at times, but also make you think like, "Oh, like yeah." <laughs> kind of his entry, he was you thought like, "Is he pissed off? Like what's 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 going on here?" But he, he, he's he's great, man. I, I can't say enough about Lane Kiffin. I love the guy. Sean Jones in the app says Kool-Aid doesn't have flavors. It has colors. Red is the best flavor Kool-Aid. Well, what is cherry? Cherry is not a color. Pink lemonade's a flavor. It's a flavor. I mean, you got to break it down, Sean. It depends on where your household is as far as color versus the flavor. But I, I know that Kool-Aid definitely, not only does it have different colors, but your certain colors give you different flavors. And whether you have the grape Kool-Aid, purple. I mean, if you like purple, you like purple. Purple's going to signify that grape. If you like the orange Kool-Aid, of course, it's going to taste orange to you. So I think When you Kool-Aid, get into, like, the area of, like, blue, like, blue is a flavor. Like, oh, what, what, what kind of Kool-Aid is that? Oh, it's blue. <laughs> a little raspberry flavor uh, whatever, so, whatever it is. Oh, this tastes like blue. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, Kool-Aid does have colors and flavors, a little bit of both, depending on what you decide to do with it. But Kool-Aid definitely, Kool-Aid McKinstry definitely had plenty of drip. And, you know, the, the pennant and the chain that he had on was pretty good. And I know coming from my first SEC media day, JC the looked good too, didn't four, he? Yeah, he was clean. The Fantastic Four being up here with Nick Wiggins and Steven Root along with yourself. And, you know, I, I know that the fact that Nick was able to ask Coach Saban that dynamic question 
that went viral. I, I think that it was a great question. Dynamic is one word for it. It, 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 it was it was one of those questions that definitely won't be lost upon anybody. And our buddy Nick Wiggins, he definitely delivered with that and his promise to talk with Nick Saban and to get that question in. And it's always great to see if you didn't see the virtual reality on Father's Day of, of Coach Saban attempting to play virtual reality games. Uh, that, that to me, you see a different side of Coach Saban in both of those. And, and you can play it over and over again on the loop. The moderator, next question, <laughs> he was going to bail Coach Saban out and Nick followed up sternly with it. You know, explaining to Coach Saban exactly what was going on. Yeah, that moderator, I think his name, oh, man, I forget his name because I spoke to him this morning after uh, after Kiffin. You know, he puts a, he puts up a front, but I, I had a little conversation with him. For the record, nice guy, very 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 nice guy. I thanked him for uh, for giving us all our questions this week, and uh, he he was a very nice guy. So I do I do have to say that definitely puts up a front of uh, you know being gruff. But I, I guess that's that's comes with the job of directing questions for SEC coaches. It, it definitely does, and that's a, a long and tedious job that he has up there on the stage trying to see through all the bright lights trying to find out who you wanted to talk to and as far as our next person that we talked to Matt Moscona ESPN Baton Rouge will chime in and he had a lot to say not only about the state of LSU program but NIL and the portal and Matt Moscona ESPN Baton Rouge we'll talk to him next Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. World time. Media Days 2023 here in Nashville, Tennessee. Joined by Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge. Matt, I know we had an opportunity to see Brian Kelly take the podium with his LSU players, the defending SEC Western champions, and a lot of media are going to pick LSU to become back-to-back -back SEC West champions. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I, I think they're right. Um, I certainly think um, that LSU should be the favorite. You know, whenever we get, we, <laughs> by the way, the media gets this wrong every year, so we're probably going to be wrong again. But I think when we come here, I always say, which team has the least amount of questions against the most favorable schedule? And so I look at LSU, and you got a fifth-year senior quarterback in Jaden Daniels, returned six of your top seven offensive linemen. Basically, all of your offensive production is back. And you, you supplemented really nicely in the transfer portal, getting Mason Smith back off the injury. And you look at the schedule, they do have to go to Alabama, but Auburn, A&M, Florida all come to Baton Rouge. Tennessee rotates off, Missouri rotates on. There's just a lot of reasons to like LSU this year. So I'm always cautious, though, man, because Nick's been so good for so long in Alabama. And people who try to write off Alabama or bury him, it's a, that's, that's a foolish endeavor. Um, but if you're sitting here in July saying, who should be the team favored to make that run and, and win the West? It, I mean, it should be LSU. Brian Kelly didn't say that there was added pressure because you look at Kim Mulkey winning the Women's National Championship in year number one where she promised to hang banners. And then you look at Coach Johnson having the success that he had as well as the LSU skipper. 
I think that winning the SEC West took a little bit of that pressure off, but what a calendar year for LSU athletics. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun covering teams that win. I mean, y'all know that in Alabama too, but um, yeah, the, I think a lot of credit has to go to, to Scott Woodward, the athletic director, who is, uh, he's a pretty brilliant AD. Look, you don't have to be brilliant to know that Kim Mulkey's a great coach, right? But you do have to be able to pull the right strings and shake the right trees to get that deal done. If you're going to take her away from Baylor to identify Jay Johnson, who was, had his team in the College World Series whenever he hired him away. You know, uprooting Brian Kelly, the winningest coach in, in Notre Dame history. These are all marquee hires, but getting those deals done is, is the challenge. And... Um, Scott Woodward's been able to do it. So I don't think anybody's surprised at the success these really good coaches are having. But you're right. I mean, it's, you know, it, it is probably the single greatest academic year um, that LSU Athletics has had. I, some people may look back in the, you know, 2006, LSU made a Final Four in, in women's basketball and men's basketball. The football team had a, had a really good year that, that year, won double-digit games. Baseball was down a little bit, but, man, that uh, – this this might be the one we look back on and say that was the greatest year in, in LSU athletics history. The Alabama LSU rivalry in football. I know it's been mentioned and talked about. I think it's added more fuel to the fire because Nick Saban, even though almost 20 years removed from Baton Rouge now, he's still always going to be connected to that national championship team. But why is it that you have Alabama and LSU pretty much every year being the marquee game? If it's not on CBS, it's it's going to be a 2:30 kickoff, a night game on CBS. But it's just it's made for prime time. Why is that? They're the two standard bearers for the league and have been for 20 years. They recruit the best players, put the most talent into the NFL, and generally play the best game. Now, it was a stretch there where LSU wasn't holding up its end of the bargain. I mean, you lose eight straight, but even some of those games were always really competitive. Um, I actually think moving that game off of the CBS night game benefited LSU because man it had gotten to a point where amid that losing streak it was the only thing people thought about or talked about and everything leading up to it was about that game and then if you lost it everything after didn't matter and so you saw some LSU teams face plant in November after they would lose the Bama game so I think just for whatever reason de-emphasizing it a bit helped LSU take some of that pressure and just go play another game I think it's why you've seen that, you know, they've split the last four now. So I think, look, it's great for the SEC, obviously. It's great for college football. It's great for the conference. I mean, you're negotiating a TV deal, you know, these mega TV deals. It helps when you have the most watched game in college football every year. So, um, but why has it been that good? It's because it's the two best programs in, in, in the league and ha have been for the last 25 years. Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge, joining us here on the final drive. And Matt, here at SEC Media Days, you, know, you look at Kirby Smart, back-to-back -back national champions. Any other surprises outside of what he had to say with the off-the-field noise and issues that are going on for Georgia trying to three-peat? I, I don't know that I would say surprises. I think everyone's going to ask the question about Carson Beck. And, and I think maybe the, the interesting thing is you're talking about a guy that, that was a, a highly decorated quarterback when he signed with Georgia and has patiently waited his turn. And I think we don't, we just don't see guys like that stay anymore. With the portal options available, 
usually a guy's not going to sit and wait three years to play. So I think in that respect, he's kind of a little bit of a throwback in the fact that he was willing to wait and get better and, and improve and mature, and now we'll see if, if he's ready to go to go be that guy. But, um, but if he's not, then you really look at Georgia and go, all right, well, what really is this team's ceiling? Now, we all know the schedule is – I mean, everybody's talking about the schedule and how it's shaped up the way it is. It's why Vegas has them at 11 and a half, you know. But remind you, man, Missouri had them on the ropes last year. Ohio State had them beat. Now, credit Georgia because they came back and won both those games. And that's what great teams do. But it's not like they're they're infallible. Um, boy, when everybody's gunning for you, I mean, Nick will talk about this, even Nick's teams, right? I mean, he's won seven national titles. Only two of them were undefeated. It's harder than ever to go undefeated, especially when you got to play 15 games to do it. So um, I, I think Georgia's a pretty fascinating test case to see if they can do something we haven't seen done since the 30s. Outside of Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, bringing in Hugh Freeze. I know Auburn, LSU, that game has been historic. It's been earthquake historic, as a matter of fact. But that's a great rivalry moving forward with divisionless football. What are your thoughts on 2024's divisionless football? Uh, I love dropping divisions. Um, I hate staying at eight games. The only thing that... I really want from the schedule league-wide is something that's that's equitable for everybody um, and, and you don't have that with division play right now because look, we just talked about Georgia <laughs> look at Georgia's schedule this year now they can't control to their to their credit they can't control what the East does and they tried to schedule Oklahoma they were scheduled for this year and then because Oklahoma's coming into the league they dropped that series so it's not that they're completely at fault but it's a matter of circumstance because you have divisions which is stupid it, it, divisions were created i'll ask you this you're an sec fan a long time how did the sec fare as a conference before 1992 fairly well no problem good pretty good for a lot of years without divisions divisions were created out of necessity because of the sec championship game which is also a meaningless endeavor the SEC championship game was something Roy Kramer created brilliantly as a revenue generator, and it worked. And everybody's tried to copy it since, and nobody's done it as well as the SEC. But it doesn't mean it's necessary, and I think it'll be fine without him. So. The SEC, it just means more for sure. And I, I tell you, outside of it meaning more in the SEC, also you have what you call the Vanderbilts of the world who have always been kind of looked upon as the doormat, the Missouris of the world. But with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas coming in, I don't still think that Vanderbilt and Missouri will continue to be doormats because I think they're putting in the equity to catch up with the rest of the Southeastern Conference. And I think that you create cultures. Sometimes there is always that shocker. So if there's that dark horse that you're looking for this year that not a lot of people are talking about that could possibly make some noise east or western division who do you think that could be well i don't think we're talking about a dark horse that could that could win either division i think if anybody unseats georgia this year it would be tennessee and georgia does have to go to knoxville in november and so that's a possibility i wouldn't put a high likelihood on it but it's a possibility and then in the west it's it's lsu bama the team that that some might look at and say okay watch out for them would be texas a&m because jimbo's a great coach and he's recruited exceptionally well and they've got a, a roster and they're returning connor wegman who played well at the end of last season they beat lsu of course so 
maybe A&M can use that as a springboard. But if we're talking about a dark horse, like someone, you know, bottom half of the league, I mean, I, I don't think we're seeing any 2013 Auburn situation where a team goes from 0-8 in the SEC, literally their worst season ever, to the national championship game. I don't think there's that type of turnaround in the cards. Um, because how do you predict? How do you predict something like that? I've got, who could have predicted 2013 Auburn? So um, I, I, I just think that the top of the league is so deep and so talented that to expect someone from the bottom to rise up and uh, and win one of those divisions is probably not realistic. I think what's more interesting is can A&M win enough games for Jimbo to keep his job? Can can Tennessee? maintain the level of success they started a year ago with Hendon Hooker where that's really avoided them for the last 20 years. I think those are the really interesting storylines in the league outside of the, the top tier. The last question for Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge is about the portal and NIL and how it's affecting all these teams and the legislation that's come into effect in different states and how it will continue to move forward not only through Congress but through these institutions as well that are going to fight it tooth and nail? Well, so I am a admittedly an extremist in this conversation. Uh, I am all for a transfer portal and guys transferring wherever, whenever they want. And I'm all for NIL and people making whatever they want, however they want, when it, in, in any amount. Um, I think college football and college athletics in general has gotten to the point it has where this has been such a massive shift because it existed for a hundred years on a premise of a lot of people getting rich on the athletes making nothing so um, look I don't see any problem if you're 18 years old and you make a decision to go to school somewhere look I, I was a kid who after my freshman year of college I transferred I as at an as eight at 18 I thought I knew where I wanted to go spent a year and didn't love it. It was like, this This really wasn't the best decision. But I lived and I learned and I was able to go transfer and, and made a great decision. Why shouldn't the student athlete be able to afford that, be afforded that same opportunity? The only people, the only people who are negatively impacted by the transfer portal are millionaire head coaches because it makes their job of building and maintaining a roster more difficult. But you know what? I'm not sympathetic to a millionaire head coach. I am, I would, so much rather give a greater opportunity to a young person than worry about the millionaire head coach having to go worry about the transfer portal or, or managing NIL or anything like that. If when NIL is used properly, it is an amazing system. Look at Angel Reese. You asked me about basketball earlier. Angel Reese went from a young woman who was known in women's college basketball to internationally famous overnight. And she now has a million-dollar NIL valuation. She just did a, a deal with, with – she's one of seven student-athletes that did a deal to represent The Rock's energy drink brand. Um, she's done deals with Mercedes. She was in SI Swimsuit overnight. And pre-NIL, she would have never been able to capitalize. And why is that a bad thing? Why is it a bad thing that a young person who's reached his fame can, can capitalize on their fame? So, man, I, I'm – again – I am so far on, on the extreme fringes of this conversation, and I know there's not a lot of people that agree with me. They want regulation, but I'm telling you this. 
I've had enough conversations with enough attorneys, and anyone listening to us right now who who is any who is an attorney that, that knows anything about this would would probably agree. There are lawsuits drawn already. If they ever try to cap or regulate NIL and limit what people can make, and I'm a free market capitalist, let them go make what they can. If you ever try to cap what student athletes can make in NIL, the lawsuits will be filed, and you will have a more gigantic mess than you have right now. Matt Moscona, ESPN Baton Rouge, joining us here at SEC Media Days. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. My pleasure. 2023 SEC Media Days brought to you by Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, presented by Greer's Markets. Want to thank those fine sponsors for making it possible for the Fantastic Four to bring you wall-to-wall coverage of 2023 SEC Football Football Media Days. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty and my producer Michael Brauner joining you live from Radio Row here at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. And Matt Moscona go ahead and giving us the breakdown on his thoughts about NIL, the transfer portal, and LSU having an opportunity to continue to defend the SEC West. And, you know, Matt Moscona is one of those journalists who, again, everybody has their own opinion, but you love to hear those outside voices throughout the Southeastern Conference, especially he is a guest, a regular guest here on the final drive, but LSU had that historical run as far as from across the board athletically, and I know coming up here in the next hour, we'll go ahead and we'll continue to bring you Pat Forty along with Jake Crane. We chimed in with them this week here at SEC Media Day. So there's so much more to, to bring you and so much more to talk about coming to you live from SEC Media Days. And I think that what's on day number four, what's imperative to, to look at is the fact that Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin really harped on and Quinshawn Jenkins talked a little bit about his transfer music. I mean, his transfer money and his NIL money. And I think that when you look at NIL money and what he did with his NIL money, he goes to Nick Saban's Mercedes-Benz plant or dealership, and he buys him a vehicle off Nick Saban's lot after not even getting a scholarship offer from the University of Alabama. So I know that, you know, NIL money, it's definitely prevalent. A lot of people did ask, hey, what did you do with your NIL money? And, you you, you know, you just don't feel comfortable asking people what they did with their money because it's really their business. But it's obvious when you have a $2,000 pair of shoes on as a college student, probably it's obvious what you did do with your NIL money. But hour number three here of the final drive coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville coming up.
This is the Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker and Dr. Chris Walton of Premier Medical Eye Group. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app, here are Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you live from the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville. Day number four, SEC Media Days, has come to a conclusion. It's gone by very fast. Of course, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the 2023 Nappy Award-winning Air of Excellence, Chavis Furniture, New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm. And of course, as always, you can download the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free download to any Android or Apple device that you may have. And of course, then you want to go ahead and click on WNSP 105.5 so you can correspond with us in the app. You can give us a call at 251-694-1055. We would love to hear from you. And as day number four has wrapped up, of course, today, when you look, taking the podium, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and South Carolina. And for Ole Miss, Cedric Johnson from Davidson High School, now second year coming as a representative for the Ole Miss Rebels. 251 definitely in the building and represented this week along with Chris Abrams drained from the Missouri Tigers. But Cedric is taking on a position with a new defensive coordinator in Pete Golding. And Lane Kiffin talked about how that is his prize transfer portal recruit in Pete Golding. So I think that that was a very, very interesting statement by Lane Kiffin. Yeah, it's a funny way to phrase that. And, you know, like we said earlier, I, I think that Pete Golding, for the gripes that Alabama fans have with him, brings a, a level of defense to that program that they haven't seen and, and can elevate them into a level that, you know, they really haven't seen. Again, again, you know, we think Lane Kiffin's done a great job. That Ole Miss program has not won an SEC West title in about 60 years. They haven't made an SEC championship. They haven't played in Atlanta ever. Uh, do I think that's going to happen anytime soon? Probably not. Uh, you know, I think the peak is probably 10 wins, but, you know, Kiffin's done a good job and, and uh, you know, getting getting the team to, to have a mean defense along with the Lane Kiffin offense would certainly go a long way. You also had Josh Heupel taking the podium for the Tennessee Volunteers. This is third season in Knoxville with the sanctions being put behind that program. I know that he was happy about that. And yesterday he was able to get another five-star recruit into the program. So even though they have a reduction of scholarships, you look at Josh Heupel continuing to get the job done. And it never hurts to have... A veteran quarterback, what I mean by veteran quarterback, a quarterback that is not a freshman or a sophomore, Joe Milton III, if you need a Hail Mary, he's the guy that you're going to go to because we've seen him throw the football 80-plus yards at the Manning Passing Academy. Now, again, 
the accuracy is going to have to be efficient for Tennessee to continue to flourish and succeed. Yeah, the uh, analogy everyone's loved to use all week is like we know he can throw the fastball, can he throw the off-speed pitch, and, and uh, you know we know he can throw 102, can he throw 85 accurately and with consistency. So, you know, we'll see. And if he can, Tennessee's going to continue to be really dangerous. If he can't, well, we'll, we'll uh, you know, Tennessee might not be second fiddle in the East. Maybe a team like Kentucky throws their hat in the ring. Who knows? But, yeah, I, I, I do believe that Milton is very talented. We saw him in the Orange Bowl against uh, against Clemson. Yeah, he had a phenomenal game, and he he spoke about that a bit today. You know, kind of that, the fact that that was a uh, you know a. a uh testament to the work he is he's put in and uh and he certainly certainly showed uh, quite a bit of talent and we'll we'll see if he can continue to do that this season shane beamer and spencer rattler also taking the podium today coach beamer feels pretty good knowing that he has a returning quarterback like spencer rattler so i think that that is you know you look at carolina having south carolina having a couple of wins last year that you probably would not have expected them to have in the sec and then they had a couple of losses that you wouldn't expect them to have and they're trying to change things in gamecock country and i know jake crane from crane and company always talking football it was great to catch up with him at sec media days also here at SEC Media Days 2023, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Joined by Jake Crane, Crane and Company. How's it going, my friend? Man, it's going great. It's Media Day, which means uh, we're right around the corner. We all know football season never ends, but I'm ready to kick this thing off, and I'm already tired of talking about it. Well, I tell you, you no know, radio roll, it's a different site, Nashville, Tennessee. It gets larger and larger each and every year. I know with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC next year, it's going to be even bigger and better. But the excitement that just generated here within this next month and a half, like you said, all the hype, all the coaches coming in. When you have coaches that are going to be speaking like LSU being the defending SEC West champion, do you think SEC West is LSU's to lose or are they going to go ahead and defend? Well, you know, I think they're going to come out of media days as a slight favorite. You know, one of the biggest storylines I think coming into this year is how wide open the SEC West is compared to what it has been, right? Feels like, you know, the last couple of years and really for Alabama, feels like the last 15 years, every time we've come in here, it's been all right. Who's going to finish second in the West or who can possibly beat Alabama? But you look at LSU returning Jaden Daniels, return what they return up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I like the skill position. I think Malik Neighbors, one of the most underrated skill players in the country. I love Mason Taylor at tight end. Uh, but, you know, Alabama, to me, looks like they're in somewhat of a transition year because I've been asking everybody around here. Nobody can give me an answer. When's the last time Alabama had to replace a left tackle and a quarterback in the same year? You, you can't really think about it because Nick Saban's so good at roster management, they don't lose symbiotic positions like that a lot. So uh, you look at Arkansas with Sam Pittman. Is this the year they finally break through? Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Auburn can be really, really sneaky with the way he's upgraded the roster. Uh, so right now I'm leaning toward LSU, probably kind of like a lot of people are to win the West. You never want to sleep on Nick Saban in Alabama, but I'm so glad we can actually talk about multiple teams having a chance to win it instead of just looking at Globo Jim winning it every year. How about the SEC East, Jake? Obviously the conversation starts and ends with Georgia, but you know, Tennessee maybe a, a mile or two behind them and then everyone else. I mean, do you see any surprises in the SEC East or is it just going to be Georgia 12-0 and and then everyone else? Yeah, you know, I speaking of Globo, Jim, <laughs> um, I, I think it's a fight for a second. Uh, Carson Beck, I know he's going to be the guy. 
He's probably coming into the best situation possible you could as a new quarterback with what they have on defense. Obviously, their offensive line is dominant. Brock Bowers, they added Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas, two SEC receivers who I think are phenomenal players. Then you bring back Haru, the great white ninja, and Ladd McConkey. So uh, I think it's Georgia. The biggest question to me is, between Tennessee and South Carolina, which one's going to go from the suburbs to the mansion now? You went from the, the duplex to the suburbs with the nice school system. Now, can you make it two years in a row? Who's going to be able to take that next step? I think it's going to be Tennessee, even though I am somewhat reserved about Joe Milton. He's got to be able to throw the change up. He can't just go out there and just overthrow everybody in the stadium and throw it right to safeties on intermediate routes. But I think it's Georgia. Then right now, it looks to me, looks to, me to be Tennessee. Florida, to me, I think it's still going to take time, and they need to be patient with Billy. Uh, but I think it's going to be Georgia and then Tennessee. Well, it's funny you bring up Joe Milton because there seems to be this power vacuum with quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, there's not that one guy. You know, Joe Milton is a guy that could take the next step. Maybe whoever plays quarterback for Alabama, maybe Peyton Thorne takes, it, takes a huge leap for Auburn this year. How do you see kind of the hierarchy of quarterback play in the SEC? Well, you know, you kind of opposite of the Pac-12, you don't have a ton of returning quarterbacks. I don't think we're talking enough about Will Rogers or K.J. Jefferson. Uh, but, you know, when I look around the league, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks at big places. I talked about Carson Beck in Georgia and then obviously Alabama kind of in a three-man race right there. But, uh, man, it's going to be really, really interesting. I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see a team with a returning quarterback that that's not being talked about a lot, Brady Cook from Missouri. I don't think enough people are talking about him. He made some young guy mistakes, but he has all the tools. I mean, he's a walking Home Depot when he's right. Uh, so I, I think when you talk about the power vacuum, Joe Milton, to me, is one of the biggest question marks because he's on a team that, if he does come through, can have a really big year uh, with Josh Heupel and what he has around him, with Brew McCoy, with who they've added. I know they lost Cedric Tillman and some other guys, but defensively, they've supplemented that front seven. Uh, but again, I'll go back to it. It's just like Major League Baseball pitchers. Congrats, you can throw 95. You better be able to, to locate an off-speed pitch or they're going to be hitting them over the scoreboard by the third inning. Speaking with Jake Crane, Crane and company joining us on the final drive. And Jake, a lot of people are waiting to hear what Lane Kiffin has to say as well. I mean, because, you know, he is he is the trolling guru. I mean, he always gives you that billboard material. But expectations for Ole Miss. I know that, you know, Lane's one that does a lot of talking, but will he be able to back it up? Well, look, as it has been with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, it's going to come down to defense. You know, you balance keeps you on the beam. The best teams that the teams that win, not only in, in football, but look at college basketball. You know, can you win a rock fight? The offense comes and goes. That's how it is in sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. You're going to have games where you play great offensively and you score a lot of points, and you're going to have some games where the offense isn't operating like, like they need to, and you got to win it with defense and special teams. I think South Carolina is a great example of that last year. They won two or three games with special teams, or they would end up going six and six when you look at it. So with Lane Kiffin, I never worry about him offensively too much. I mean, they got enough quarterbacks to go around for half the conference, but defensively, can you win a game where you don't score 30 points? Because there's going to be those three or four games where the offense is not hitting on all cylinders. You're turning the ball over. The defense is playing uh, in their own territory a ton. That's what it's going to come down to. I don't think they have enough depth. And the experiment right now that Lane Kiffin is running, I don't believe you can build the ship out of the transfer portal consistently and win in football. I think you can do it in college basketball. I think you can do it in college baseball. But football is the ultimate team sport. And it seems to me like Lane's going to try and build this thing out of the transfer portal every year. I always say you don't want to build the ship out of it, 
but you want to plug holes in the ship with it. And uh, we're going to see how it works out. I just don't think they have the cats on defense. Jake, you mentioned the patience that Florida Gator fans need to have with Billy Napier. The same thing with Auburn and Hugh Freeze coming in. The realistic expectations, I think, if you win seven games and you're an Auburn fan, you, you're going to be tremendously happy about that. But the, the expectations selling out your season tickets, I guess, wanting to go into a great direction from recruiting and just him having the experience. What, what's going to happen with Auburn this season? Well, look, I, I think Auburn is, is in the rare, and I said the same thing about Oklahoma this year in the Big 12. Auburn doesn't get a chance to be sneaky a lot. Auburn doesn't get a chance to be the underdog a lot. This is one of those times where Auburn can actually sneak up on people. That's why you're not going to see Hugh Freeze or Luke Deal or any of these players come out this week and say anything that is going to be headline worthy or, oh, we're, we're better than what people think we are. They're going to play it par for, par for the course. Sometimes coach speak is a good thing. But I think what Auburn fans are feeling right now is it feels like Auburn again. There's a lot of positive momentum. Hugh Freeze is out there recruiting. Brian Harson, and look, Brian Harson's a great guy. I talked to him multiple times, but all he wanted to do was talk about accountability and lift weights. You gotta go recruit as a head coach. Even the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, is as involved in recruiting as any coach on that staff. Kirby Smart, all these guys, they understand that. So the expectation for Auburn's always gonna be high. And I think what he's done with the roster, especially on the offensive line, is gonna give Auburn a chance. It's gonna give those new skill guys a chance. The biggest question for Auburn is gonna be, can they generate a consistent pass rush? If they're able to do that, they're gonna be in games because the mixture of Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery they're going to find ways to score points. It's can they be able to stop people? Can they stop people on third down? That's what it's going to come down to. So when I look at Auburn, I think the ceiling's nine and three, which would be an incredible year for the freeze. It feels eight and four, seven and five, but it needs to be the right seven and five. Seven and five and, and splitting Alabama and Georgia is a lot different than seven and five and losing both those games. So if it's going to be seven and five, it needs to be the right seven and five. But I think Auburn fans as fanatical as that fan base is, and there's a reason that fan is short for fanatical, I think they understand that Hugh Freeze has got it going in the right direction. And the last piece of the puzzle, they got the facility, all right, as this whole building falls in the middle of this interview. <laughs> they got the facilities, right? They got the fan base. They have the tradition. They have the brand. The last piece of the puzzle is sh showing it on the field. When they show it on the field, now all of a sudden you start signing those five-star wide receivers, those five-star offensive tackles. Because we've seen Auburn when they're cooking. And when Auburn's cooking, they can get as hot as anybody. Ultimately, nationally, at the end of the year, Georgia playing who for the national championship? Man, I, you know, I, I put an asterisk by this. When I, I, I make my predictions at the end of fall camp, I got to see who gets hurt. Huh. But right now, it really feels like if they don't meet in the semifinal, it's going to be Georgia and Michigan for the whole thing. That would be a great situation where a lot of people would love to see that happen again. But, Jake, can't thank you enough for your time spending with us here on the final drive. And it's always great to catch up with you. And people want to follow and listen to everything that you have going on. How can they do that? Definitely. Well, I always love coming on with you guys. Y'all do a fantastic job. Uh, I love WNSP. Uh, you can find us just easiest ways to go to YouTube. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company. Uh, go subscribe. We have big-time guests, live call-ins, live chat, uh, kind of football talk the way you're used to, uh, the way it used to be. So, yeah, come check us out. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the final drive. Want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Cart Doctor and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Coming to you live, Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this evening. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, again, you can download the free Sound of Mobile app. And, of course, you want to go down to WNSP once you download that free app to any Android or Apple device that you may have and you can always correspond with us in the Sound of Mobile WNSP app and also give us a call 251-694-1055 and four days down you want to see what did we really figure out about these teams that took the podium were there things that we weren't sure of going in that we learned coming out of media days or did we still have a, a clean or blank slate not really knowing what is what from a lot of these programs i mean nick saban no five quarterbacks mentioned just three you look at hugh freeze saying okay i have a a two-man quarterback race so those are the type of things that you want to get a head start on as we look ahead to starting the fall practice schedule in this brutal heat, you still can call it fall practice, but it's really summer practice that rolls into the fall football season. Any questions that were answered that you weren't sure of going in, Bronner? I, I don't think SEC Media Days is necessarily a uh, figure out a lot about teams type of week. Uh, it's I, I don't know what to describe. I, I don't I, from a football informational perspective, uh, it, it was pretty minimal. Uh, there was no quarterback battle questions answered. There was no, you know, who, who what team what team are you most uh, afraid of on the schedule? It, it, it just, it's not really like that, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's a time to ask te- ask uh, you know for coaches to update on how the summer has gone, and you know, I guess if there's one piece of news, it's that Alabama's quarterback race is is between three people and Auburn's is between two. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we gained any really breaking news this week. I, I don't know if that's really what this week generally breeds. Oh, yeah, it does. Trust me, when you when you have things to hide or you're coming off controversies or trying to cover sure. up yeah, scandals and controversies that have occurred in the all season. Oh, yeah, you, I, you I guess there wasn't. I guess there wasn't like a massive controversy outside of Georgia, and there was maybe one question total asked about it. So, you know, I, I, based on all accounts from people, you know, this is our first one, but based on all accounts from people who have been here for 20 years, uh, this was a relatively tame one, I think. I would agree with the assessment of it being tame. And I know that, you know, a lot of veterans come to the podium from a coaching staff. You look at the new head coach, Zach Arnett from Mississippi State. David Cutcliffe mentioned how nervous he was coming into his first as the head coach, as Coach Cutcliffe remembered his first. And you can sometimes say things that are, are used. And I know the one-liners that used to come by Steve Spurrier, 
He, he, he used to punch and jab at everyone in the conference. That's when Florida used to run the conference. So he definitely had the resume and, and was able to do so. But you don't you don't really see that because the commissioner kind of he, he, he kind of warns them, look, don't go talk about your program. That's what you have to do here. And you're better off by talking about your program. I know Lane Kiffin wanted to talk about the list of SEC boosters and wasn't able to do that when asked about it. He said he could, and he would love to, but didn't do it for his own sake because you, you ultimately can say some things that you will regret. And <laughs> I think from a player standpoint, J.C. Latham for Alabama made some strong guarantees, so we'll see how that goes. And as we go into this break, getting ready on the other side, Pat Forty. Joining us this week here at SEC Media Days, looking forward to hearing from him and what he had to say as he drops a wealth of knowledge. The final drive here live from Radio Road, day number four, getting ready to wrap up. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, wanted to introduce you to Pat Forty, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, and get his thoughts about the upcoming 2023 football season. SEC Media Days 2023. Pat Forty joining me here in Nashville, Tennessee. Pat, it's SEC Media Days in Nashville. That means we're getting closer and closer to college football's kickoff. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, you know, it's talking season now, and soon it's going to be blocking and tackling season. And obviously, you know, you look around here, and this is why the SEC is what it is. People cannot wait. When you look at what you've seen so far through the first couple of days, any surprises or shock, especially with your back-to-back -back national champions, Kirby Smart, you knew the questions that were coming in regards to the off-field situations and distractions on trying to three-peat. I thought he did a fairly good job of, of handling or diverting the questions, and I think the on-field play will ultimately speak for what's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs program. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I asked the only question about their off-the-field issues you know about, about regarding the reckless driving um there was one question about like hazing in northwestern but otherwise it was um people kind of avoided the topic um you know and the, look i mean their program is unbelievable it is operating on such a high level in every way recruiting scheme motivation you know strength training and then you get to game day and they execute and they perform incredibly well if there's one thing I think that can kind of trip them up, it's been, been a messy offseason. Where's the focus, and is that focus going to be there as we get closer to kickoff? I suspect it will be, but that's kind of a question lingering over that program right now. The SEC, I think a lot of the questions, too, have been at quarterback play. I mean, that's the point of focus for most teams. You have a lot of new quarterbacks, a lot of opportunities for people to step into some big shoes, such as 
at Alabama where you have five quarterbacks on Nick Saban's roster, not knowing exactly what direction we're going to see there. But would you agree that that's going to really be a focus point to begin this first couple of weeks of the SEC season? No doubt. It's going to be kind of show and tell. Who, who do you got and how good are they? And, and what does the offense look like? Can you trust them to run a... You know, a big package of plays, a, you know, a, a uh, complex offense, or do you have to kind of dumb things down while you're getting breaking in some new guys to see how well they can handle it? Um, yeah, Alabama, that's a huge question there. Georgia, huge question there. We know a little more about like Joe Milton at Tennessee, but still he's replacing Hendon Hooker, who was, one, you know, had one of the best seasons we've seen in quite a while. Uh, you know, LSU does have Jaden Daniels with Texas A&M. What are they going to do? So that those question marks are, are all over the league. And, you know, it's always one of the most interesting things of the uh, the first, like as you said, the first few weeks is to see, okay, who, who really has the weaknesses there and, and who maybe has some hidden strengths. Auburn, the Tigers, Hugh Freeze speaks about the expectations and his joy of becoming the head coach at Auburn. A seven-win season to me would be tremendously successful for Auburn. What are your thoughts about Hugh Freeze and him taking over? I agree. Uh, you know, I mean, I look, he's an excellent coach. Uh, he does not have a flush hand that he has been dealt. So he's going to have to do some very good work very quickly to make them competitive right away. I'm not sure they can, you know, how competitive they will be. But he was really interesting, I thought, at the podium, Corey. One thing he said that, that struck me, uh, you know, as he said, I used to be one of the better play callers back in the day. He doesn't think he was as good a play caller like this last year. It's like, I, and I actually grabbed him here just briefly. It's like, you know, how does that change? And he just, he said, you know, he just maybe wasn't quite as dialed in at the end of last season. But, uh, you know, I mean, there is such an art to, I think, good play calling in the middle of the game, in the heat of the battle. You can game plan and you can scheme and you can have some of plan coming in all week. But then when you know when the game starts sometimes a lot of that stuff goes out the window and you've got to do things by feel and you've got to call things quickly and that's one of his specialties and he's going to have to be he or whoever's calling the play is going to have to be at their very best this season divisionless football in the sec in 2024 i know we haven't even kicked off 2023 yet but the addition of texas and oklahoma to the strongest conference in the country what are your thoughts about that well, I mean, big gets bigger, rich gets richer. Uh, it means more and more and more. Uh, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't like it. I don't like conference expansion. I don't think 16-team conferences are good. I don't like seeing areas of the country become marginalized at the expense of the SEC and the Big Ten. But business is business. And if you're going to go get two schools, the SEC got, got really good ones, you know? I mean... Texas has underachieved recently, but, you, you know, you just feel like that's going to turn around maybe this year. Oklahoma, historically one of the all-time, you know, top three or four programs in terms of success. So uh, big-time additions. Uh, I like the fact that they're kind of still within the contiguous state footprint, at least. It's not as ridiculous as the Big Ten. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. Conference realignment is huge as well moving forward. Don't know whether you have the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-10, Pac-12. You don't know what to call it, but what are your thoughts about conference realignment? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Don't like it. Um, again, I think it, you know, it's, it's you're consolidating more and more resources in the hands of a few schools um, and at the expense of others and other conferences. And I, I think college football is at its best when it is a true national sport and the West Coast has vibrant football and, you know, 
the ACC has vibrant football in the Midwest and everything. And I, I just, I think that's kind of what the sport was supposed to be. And that's what it has been. And the more it gets kind of shrunk down to one or two geographic regions, I don't think is good for the sport. But again, you know, nobody's asking me what's good or what's bad. This is just the way the business is going. The expansion of the college football playoffs kind of ties in to what we were just talking about with conference realignment or conference growth. Going to the number of teams that are, they're going to with 12, mm -hmm. currently with four. I know at one point in time, the original with two. Mm -hmm. What do you think there's a magic number there? I love March Madness. I love the NCAA tournament. Expansion outside of 64 to 68, that's great. No need to go any further there. Do you feel the same thing about college football? I like 12. I like this setup. You know, I think what we're co going to do is, is going to work well in terms of bringing in more programs to compete for a national championship, having more fan bases really excited about, hey, can we make the playoff, uh, going deeper into the season with more things at stake from a playoff standpoint as opposed to it all whittling down to four, five, six schools. So uh, I think all those things are going to be good. I think having the first round of the playoffs on campus this is going to be awesome. I think that's just going to be fantastic. The atmospheres are going to be incredible. Uh, if, if it were up to me, I would like to see the quarterfinals on campuses too. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if we eventually get there. But I don't let uh, good or great be the enemy of good. This is going to be a good thing. And it's going to be, I think it's just going to add rocket fuel to the sport. I'm going to ask you to rub your crystal ball a little bit. The ultimate finish to college football this season, if you had to predict it, what do you see moving forward when we turn the page in January? I'm not picking against Georgia. <laughs> I've, I've liked them each of the last two years. They came through in a big way both times. Uh, I think they are set up to have another great season. Quarterback play obviously will be a question, but they've got everything else. I mean, they are loaded defensively. They're more experienced, and, and they will be better there than I think they were last year, certainly at the end of the year. Um, their offensive line's huge, their backs are good, their receivers are good. Brock Bowers is maybe the best football player in college football. So I, you know, I, I'm starting with Georgia. I'll take Michigan. I, think, I still think there's Michigan is behind Georgia. Have they closed the gap some? We'll find out. But I still think I could see those two playing in the championship game, and frankly, I could see it not being very close. Coach Harbaugh keeps knocking on the door. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to find your way to that mountaintop. So I, I agree with you in that Michigan assumption. Can't thank you enough. Pat Forty joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. WNSP 105.5 coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back to the final drive live from Radio Row, getting ready to wrap up here 2023 SEC Media Days. And it's it's been a long week, but it's been a very productive week as far as getting ready for college football. That's for certain. And that's exactly why you had over 1,500 media members to go ahead and descend upon downtown Atlanta and really get started for the kickoff mode. And I think that's what it's all about, Mike. It's all about the excitement that is generated for this for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it, it was quite the scene. I mean, 1,500 people, and it, it looked every bit of it. You know, the big ballroom, the small ballroom, Radio Row. You know, can't say a negative word about it. Nashville was a fantastic host as well. 
Eli Cox from Kentucky, big offensive lineman, had an opportunity to talk with him this week and get his thoughts about what it meant to be here and play Southeastern Conference football. Stephen Root here, SEC Media Days 2023, now joined by Eli Cox, senior offensive lineman for the Kentucky Wildcocks. Eli, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Good to see you, man. I um, want to ask you about uh, maybe just staying home and that choice to play for Kentucky and what that meant to stay your, in your home state. Yeah, it meant a lot to me. You know, my parents had season tickets to the games growing up, so University of Kentucky was just the place I always wanted to play, and it was an easy decision for me. I'll also ask you about playing the back-to-back -back national champions and Georgia and how does that play in that level of competition, which you kind of do on a week-to-week -week basis, but um, going up against them year in and year out, how does that help you as a player? I just think having competition like that across the SEC is what makes this league so special. And, you know, you have a chance to prove it against the best of the best week in and week out. And I'll ask you, too, on the schedule this year will be Alabama. We're broadcasting out of Mobile, Alabama. What does that mean to play Alabama? I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, Coach Saban in Alabama has been a perennial powerhouse. And so being able to play programs like that is what it's all about. I mean, when you want to compete, those are the guys you want to compete against. You want to play the best of the best. Coach Mark Stoops, he, he deserves so much respect for the time he's put in at Kentucky and how he goes about his job. Um, who is he to you? Kind of just describe the, him as a man to you and how much you appreciate him as your coach. Yeah, I mean, Coach Stoops is just tough, and that's the mentality he wants to bring to this football team. And um, I think he's an ultimate players coach. Everything he does is done to benefit us as players and put our best product on the field. And I think the guys all sense that and want to play extra hard for him. We know as offensive linemen, nobody has a better look at the defensive line than you, and we know the names that have come out of Kentucky, and strong defensive line is, is the usual thing at Kentucky. How does that unit look right now? I mean, they look good. I mean, Deion Walker's a guy that's coming back and is just only going to get better. I mean, he's got the size for the NFL, and just having growing his feel for the game along with his size and power, he's, he's a really good football player. As a senior, the senior bowl being in Mobile, Alabama, where we broadcast from, is that game on your radar, and what would it mean to play in the Senior Bowl? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, that bowl game just gives you an opportunity to compete against some of the best guys that are going to be in the draft. And it's a unique thing. I mean, the combine's just in shorts and a T-shirt, but the Senior Bowl's in helmets and pads and practice and meetings with NFL scouts and GMs. So I think it's a very unique opportunity to be able to showcase what you can do, not just on the field, in the meeting room, what kind of athlete you can be to a football team in, in real time. All right, good stuff. Eli Cox, senior offensive lineman for the Kentucky Wildcats. Eli, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome back. 2023 SEC Media Days. Getting ready to go to break here, and we'll go ahead and put the finishing touches on this 2023 SEC Media Day. want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Chavez Furniture, New Century Tires, McConnell Buick, GMC, and Rich's Car Wash. The final drive, the final segment of SEC Media Days coming up. Hey everybody, this is Gabe Gross and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back. 2023 SEC Media Days drawing to a close. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 
presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the Nappy Award-winning Air of Excellence, Chavez Furniture, New Century Tires, their attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm, the 2023 Nappy Award-winning Eagle Dent Repair, McConnell Buick GMC, Ken Morgan Allstate Agent, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, Rich's Car Wash, Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, The Cart Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm made this 2023 SEC Media Days possible for the Fantastic Four. And I know Stephen Rood and Nick Wiggins did a fantastic job this week and really enjoyed themselves. And Michael Braun and I, it's our first SEC Media Days along with Stephen Root and Nick Wiggins. And we hope you guys have enjoyed all the great interviews, all the great guests, all the head coaches that we've been able to talk to this week as we're getting you geared up for the 2023 college football season. And to kind of recap the entire week, your first SEC Media Days, Brauner, what are your thoughts about that? Man, you put me on the spot there. Uh, man, I mean, it, it, it was great. You got to get up close and personal with a lot of a lot of coaches and players, and uh, had the opportunity to speak with a bunch of them. You get to ask questions. The uh, the pressure of, of staring down Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban in uh, in a press conference room is about unmatched. Uh, you know, it's nothing like being in front of a, a radio microphone like we do every day. It's a little bit different of a microphone, isn't it? Uh, you know, and getting to getting to see some of these players up close. They're uh, a lot of them are pretty big dudes, aren't they? And I, you know, when you look at what South Alabama athletes look like, uh, as opposed to what an SEC athlete looks like. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, you can't judge a book by its cover because South Alabama has those dudes too. And there's a lot of guys that we see and are able to cover in high school on a regular basis that are going to fit right into this Southeastern Conference mold and have already fit into the Southeastern Conference mode. You look at Billy Napier singing the high praises of Shamar James coming in as only a true sophomore at Florida. You look at the impact roles of Cedric Johnson as evident as being brought to the podium along with Chris Abrams Drain. You, you, you start seeing all these different names from Mobile and Baldwin County that are going to be impact players in the SEC and you know you're a little over a month and a half away from toe to leather and I know that's just part of the great dynamic of this SEC media days you've seen it for so long on SEC network being brought to you live but to be able to see how the SEC network functions and to be able to see all the different personalities from all the different networks whether it be CBS and Gary Danielson the way he handles himself and you, you, you just you, you really know that college football is upon us. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the appetizer to college football. It's kind of the 
the big, you know, like you said, total leather. We're getting close. We're going to get back, and, uh, you know, the, the high of SEC Media Day is going to wear off, and, you know, still, what, six weeks to the season, eight weeks to the season, whatever the number is. Uh, you know, we're close, but we're not that close. So we're, there's still going to be a little, a little bit of waiting, and, uh, you know, the hype's going to die down a little bit for a couple of weeks. But, you know, it's the ebbs and flows of being a football fan. It is what it is. But, you know, appreciate all the listeners tuning in this week, giving us the opportunity to bring you guys. SEC media coverage. You know, it's been uh, it's been a privilege for sure. No question about it. Again, tomorrow you will get the best of the 2023 SEC media days here live in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, there were so many great interviews that it was hard to to try to piece them all together and, and just find out if you miss one, you'll be able to go back and hear it. But I know for Nick Wiggins and Stephen Root. Michael Bronner and myself, it's been a privilege to bring you 2023 SEC Media Days. Brought to you by Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, presented by Greer's Markets. And again, that's going to be a wrap, not only on the final drive, but to 2023 SEC Media Days as well. For Michael Bronner, I'm Corey Labounty. We'll be checking in again with you on Monday.